Hello, Tell Me More listeners. We have a special episode for you today that will allow you to journey through the New England area with me. Last summer, I embarked on the NRHA New England road trip. The purpose of the trip was to find an area of the country and highlight the independent hardware, home center, and lumber operations that are vital parts of their various communities. On the trip, I drove over 1,400 miles and visited more than 13 operations. This episode includes highlights from the conversations I had with some of the retailers along the way. You can learn even more about the trip in the November 2019 issue of Hardware Retailing Magazine. Today's episode is brought to you by Sackcrete. Are you looking to add quality concrete, mortar, and stucco mixes, as well as repair and specialty items to your product lineup? Sackcrete provides the tools you need to run a better business, whether that's through exceptional customer support, sales and marketing tools, varied product assortments, or just finding reliable products. Sacrete offers knowledgeable retail experts that understand the needs of your store. To learn more, visit www.sacrete.com slash hardware retailing. The first stop of the NRHA New England road trip was at Hemlock Hardware in Fairfield, Connecticut. Talk about a warm welcome. I pulled up to the store and they had a sign made greeting Renee from NRHA. While there, I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with the sales associates, Timothy Beers and Bradley Carter. So what do you guys like about working in the hardware industry? I enjoy working with people. Yeah. So kind of figuring out what people are really looking for uh, and what's going to make them happy and what's going to make them sort of want to keep coming back and, and want to really keep frequenting our store. Yeah. Uh, that's the interesting part to me. Um, you know, sometimes it's kind of the, you know, figuring out the underlining problem mm-hmm. and how to get to fix that one. So maybe you come in to ask for one thing, but what do you really need? And, and working through that yeah. and kind of going through the problem solving, uh, I think it keeps it kind of sharp in Ooh. a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's recording. I had to go through and delete a bunch of stuff, but um, do you mind telling me your first and last name? And then I know Scott said you guys don't really have titles here, so just kind of what you do. Uh, my name is Timothy Beers. I am one of the sales representatives here at Heimlock Hardware. Um, so we're here to service all the customers, help out with everything, uh, make sure we are you know, helping you out, uh, answering your questions, making sure we have all the supplies you need, any... Um, any grill questions, uh, answering any questions, plumbing related, uh, electric related, um, giving advice or, you know, making sure we're giving recommendations. Cool. How do you spell your, your name too? Just so I make sure when I, this Absolutely. won't be in it, but just so I know Absolutely. when I'm writing. I thought about saying it right. Initially, oh, but you're good. Like a, uh, Timothy, T-I-M-O-T-H-Y, Beers, B-E-E-R-S. Beers. Did yes. you get a lot of yes. a lot of stuff growing up with the yes. last name Beers? Yeah, but I could get in any party in college. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so what? Um, this isn't going into yeah. this, but is that is that like German or what is it? Dutch. Dutch. Yeah. Ah, cool. Okay. How about yourself now? Uh, I'm Bradley Harder. Just like Tim, uh, I help customers throughout the store, put the orders away. Uh, yeah. Well, so you started in high school, you said, as a part-time job. Do you want to share a little bit about how you started and, like, what has made you want to stay and continue growing in your career here? 
Uh, yeah, so I started in high school, obviously, it was my first job. Uh, Scott is awesome. Scott's my boss. He teaches me, like, everything. Uh, helps me with any problems I have. I mean, personal, at work, anything. Uh, so Scott's a big part of that. Uh, and, uh, I mean, working here, it's fun to help people. I really like helping people. What do you think makes independent hardware stores like yourself, like Hemlock Hardware, so unique and kind of different than a big box or going on to Amazon? Like, what is your kind of selling point when you talk to someone who's like, well, I could get it cheaper on Amazon? Like, what is what are you guys kind of? We definitely have that more personal connection. So, like, when somebody's going to come into the hardware store, they're like, oh, I'm going to go see Bradley today. I'm going to go see Tim. They're going to give me a hand fixing whatever problem they have. Whereas you go to the big box store, it's kind of like walking into a maze. Yeah. You don't really have any connection there. And then online, there's nothing other than just like, this might help you. And you're like, do these two connect? Like, I don't know. You know, and it's nice when you will help somebody or you'll talk to somebody and and they can call back and be like, hey, I was just talking to Tim. Yeah. Or I was just working with Bradley. Uh, And it's like, well, hold on. Let me get Bradley for you. Yeah. And we're, you know, we are available. Yeah. You know, and the other nice part is if, and if one of us isn't available, we can all step in. Yeah. You know, it's not like we're departmentalized that I, I know electricity mm-hmm. or I know plumbing or I know, you, you know, know I don't work in that section. Let me get somebody. Well, we're all here to help everybody. For sure. And I think the nice part about the sort of the independent hardware industry is it's still a family business. For sure. It's still a family industry. And I think throughout the country, you'll, you can find those generations that have, have gone through this industry and are staying in this industry. Yeah. And I think too, millennials and younger generations are looking anywhere they can for um, senses of community because mm-hmm. it's kind of been... I think social media has been great, but it's also caused yes. people to feel more alone than ever. Absolutely. So if you can find a connection with your, mm-hmm. you know, associates at the hardware store down the street or different things like that, that's that's building community Absolutely. and, and, and extending to it. People, a lot of millennials also are looking at homeownership as an investment now. Yeah. So it means they want to put in work on their house. They want to, you know, reinvest their money into that house. Yeah. Um, it's not just sort of as a place to stay. It's you know, you want to build it, you want the equity, you want to improve on yeah. things. And that's a, a great thing for this industry. My second visit of the day was at Stewart's Hardware Company in Clinton, Connecticut. Before touring the store, I sat down with co-owners Todd Stewart and Sherry Sears Thompson to learn all about their hardware operation. Uh, I used to work for a hardware store back in the late 90s, a couple, couple towns over, and I left that and I went down into law enforcement in Myrtle Beach. And then back in 2000, <clears throat> 2007, I wanted to come back in, to my hometown and open up a hardware store. Mm-hmm. So that's what Sherry and I did in 2007. We came back to, to Connecticut, and then we opened up Stewart's Ace Hardware in 2008 and, and partnered with Ace, which we do not regret at all. Since people can't see yeah. the store, yeah. like I'll, I'll be taking photos, but kind of describe like what the store is all about. What are your kind of key departments? And so, um, when, so the store that I used to work at and that was in business when I is only, was only about 3000 square feet. So, and it didn't have, it wasn't open on Sundays, didn't have really good hours. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to bring a really nice big hardware store with great selection, great service, and great hours to the home, to my hometown, and uh, so that's why we you know this the store is eleven thousand square feet, and we're open seven to seven Monday through Friday, seven to six on Saturdays, and eight to four on Sundays. We're only closed four times a year, yeah, and so I thought that was really important because a lot of people that commute to Hartford or New Haven. Mm-hmm. 
they don't get back in until about five o'clock, five thirty, and you know that's where normal hardware stores, hometown hardware stores, they're still closing at five, five thirty. Yeah. Some are staying open to six. So seven o'clock was really important. We haven't really toyed with going much later than that because it kind of does die off. But and then we wanted to make sure we had a full selection, so that's why we partnered with Ace and you know back in two thousand and eight, Ace had a, a they called it a signature store where um, they were, their super planograms were in Departments 1, which were uh, housewares and paint, and Department 7, mm -hmm. which was um, lawn and garden. Okay. So from there, I turned around, and being 11,000 square feet, and Ace's core mix was anywhere from 8 to 10, I kind of wanted to become super planogrammed in some key areas like lighting fixtures and faucets. And things like that so yeah so what is what's your experience been since you guys opened the business in 2008 and what's what's kind of the yes. community response been? yeah community response has been awesome I mean uh, we love our community and the community loves us uh, we do we do lots of roundup roundup change events for local local um, community charities and stuff yeah and uh, right now is August so we're doing for Connecticut Children's Hospital uh, but Normally throughout the year, we're only doing it for local, local charities. Like yeah. We have families helping families. We have uh, Valley Shore Animal Welfare League. We have uh, the Pretty Committee, which keeps the town clean and, yeah. and, 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 and looking pretty. And uh, so we kind of do uh, roundups for them, and we're able to raise money for them. But uh, we, we have been welcomed from, since 2008, and even when the economy dipped in 2009 and 2010, we still were heading... Yeah, that's a that so, must have been a tough time to come into it, and then you're like, but you know, home improvement I think is one of those areas that still is important even d during those times. Right, you know? right. Do you enjoy like visiting other hardware stores when you're we out love about? It. So usually a group of Connecticut do dealers uh -huh. will get together and we'll do road trips. Uh, we haven't done one this year, but usually we we've gone out to Pennsylvania and upstate New York. We've gone up to Massachusetts. I mean, that's where you, you go into other stores. I mean, no matter what, whether it's do best, true value, independent, yeah, you know, or a, other ACE stores, you get in there and you see what they're doing, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, yeah. kind of maybe steal some great things, yeah. you know, and then make sure you're not doing some bad things that some other stores are doing. But it just, I think it reassures, it reassures you of, that you're maybe doing things right. Yeah. And if you see something that you're doing differently... That they're doing better than it than it says. Well, maybe you need to up your game in this or or For change sure. the way you're doing. Something. For sure. So. How long have you been doing the commercials and like how did you start doing that? Um, Was it just something you were like we should do commercials? Yeah, like, guy like, came like, in. As, you know, Comcast guy came in and said, you know, tried to sell me on commercials and I hesitated, and then we tried it out and we got great response. Everybody's like, oh, we love your commercials, and we started out with wacky commercials and then we just continued building on the wackiness and. You know, we, we our first commercial that were our wacky one was a a winter commercial, and it showed that we still sell snow shovels and and and, and roof rakes and snow blowers. And then at the end of the commercial, all the employees throw snowballs at me and stuff That's like that. That's hilarious. And so we just built on you know we every commercial now has to do with either I fall in a pool or get pie in yeah. my face or something like that. Yeah. So so that's been. So it's been successful then because people recognize you from it or they'll come into the store and at least mention it at oh, some absolutely. point. Oh, it absolutely. It's very inexpensive. I mean, and, and we try to target like we have the contract for all the Yankee games, the, all the Red Sox games, 
all the Boston Bruins games. We do, of course, HGTV and yeah. you know all the home and garden improvement channels and stuff That's like awesome. that. And it's a lot cheaper than what, of course, national companies oh, are paying. Yeah. To be, you know, so it's very it's very inexpensive. We do. I think we spend like twenty thousand a year. Yeah. On on Comcast commercials. So how do you do? You have like. Do you work through what the concept's going to be, or do you get together with your guys and say, "Hey, what do you guys think would yeah, be?" Yeah, I kind of build the build it up on paper and figure yeah. it out. I kind of run it through some of my managers, and you know, we might remove stuff or add some stuff, and then from there we bring they bring in a producer and a camera guy. I tell them what I want, and they yeah. we go from there, and it's been successful. Awesome. On the second day of the trip, I went to the Hancock Lumber Home Office in Casco, Maine. After doing a photo shoot for the cover of the November 2019 issue of the magazine, I sat down for an in-depth interview with Kevin Hancock, chairman, president, and CEO of his family's seventh generation business. He will be the guest on the next episode of Tell Me More. Here is a quick teaser from the conversation I had with him. So in 2010, in the middle of the... Uh, collapse, economic collapse, I began to have trouble speaking. So when I would go to talk, like all the muscles in my throat would spasm and squeeze and contract, and my voice got very broken and weak and hard for people to even hear. People couldn't really hear me. For me, it felt like it took a major athletic feat to push out even a few short sentences. So I uh, went to a doctor and then another doctor and was finally diagnosed with uh, spasmodic dysphonia, which is a rare neurological uh, disorder that affects mm -hmm. only speech, doesn't affect whispering, singing, yelling, exercising, <laughs> laughing, only speech with uh, no known cause, the disorder, and no known uh, cure. And so as a CEO, if you think about what your tool is, it's really your voice. Yeah. And I made a living using my voice, and suddenly I couldn't really uh, use it. And, and that initially sent me into a a tailspin, and I laugh about this now, but I said to myself at the time, what possible good could a CEO be who can't talk all the time? Yeah. <laughs> so I had to learn quickly how to lead uh, differently. And when it's difficult to talk, you come up with strategies to talk less, yeah. simply put, just to protect your voice. And the strategy I ended up developing, which was only a health strategy initially, not a leadership strategy initially, uh, was to answer a question with a question. So mm. Someone would come to me at the company I'm the quote-unquote boss yeah. and ask a question and I knew I wasn't going to be able to give much of an answer so I started saying simply that's a great question what do you think we should do about it and kind of putting the power back in their hands to then take it and 
Wow. Correct. That's pretty powerful. And that uh, person would say what he or she thought we we should do about it. And if it was at all reasonable, which it was 99.9% of the time, I said, okay, that sounds good. Let's go do that. (laughs) But off then that person would go with his or her solution uh-huh. to the problem that he or she saw. And what I noticed uh, after a while of doing this uh, really interested me, which was simply this. People actually already knew what to do. Yeah. They didn't actually need very often a CEO-centric direction or instruction or solution. They already knew what to do. Stay tuned for the next episode of Tell Me More, where I'll include this full conversation with Kevin Hancock. After spending my morning at Hancock Lumber, I made my way to Maine Hardware in Portland, Maine. While there, I spoke with the company president, Rick Tucker, and one of the owners, Pete Zimmerman. So I am a kind of a newbie, uh-huh. uh, in all honesty, into the hardware industry. I, I started with Maine Hardware as president in January of this year. Oh, wow. Um, so I had, uh, in my life, always been a DIY kind of person, very hands-on yeah. uh, in the different roles that I had had over the years, uh, kind of brought me here. But really, uh, my personal interests uh, have always been, um, you know, fixing things, repairing things around the house. It was just uh, really since I was a kid, it was, it, it's been a fascination. I've got an engineering background as well. And uh, it was just one of those, you know, an opportunity to come into an organization like this. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it, it's, they say, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And, and that's really how I've felt ever since I walked in the door here. Awesome. Um, it's just been a fantastic experience overall. Yeah. What about yourself? What's your story? I've been in retail all my life. Uh-huh. Uh, it uh, started way back uh, with the WT Grant Company. Okay. And uh, I spent uh, some time there, went to the Gap. Oh, wow. Uh, came, came up here with Carol Reed, mm-hmm. which was uh, women's sportswear and ski equipment and apparel. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, I uh, found Maine Hardware. Yeah. And I was looking for a business to buy at the time. Mm-hmm. Maine Hardware was available, and uh, that was back in 1990. So uh, I ended up buying the company, and uh, I sold a controlling interest of, of it in 2005. Okay. But I've been essentially involved strategically and financially yeah uh, since then yeah we are known for being the place that has everything yeah um, we hear it you know uh, a lot it's you know oh, I went here and I went there and I you know even though I knew you would have it and then they you know they show yeah. up and sure enough yeah you know we find one on you the show over yeah, again yeah, exactly so it uh, um, yeah it is it is funny how many times you hear that in a yeah. given week 
So do you guys enjoy visiting other hardware stores when you're out and about? Do you like ever find yourself wanting to pop in and just see what someone else is doing? Whether it's like, you know, you're on vacation somewhere and you're like, I want to go to the hardware store. <laughs> like, yeah, I find myself doing that. Yeah. And uh, it is kind of funny. And again, I've, I've, I've been, you know, I used to do it when I was selling kayaks and yeah. camping gear, and now I do it with with hardware. And yeah. I look at storefronts, and I'll look at, you know, inside to see what they have for product lines and the different things that they carry, and I've picked up some ideas here and there yeah. and brought them back. And we go to uh, uh, the Ace Show twi yeah. twice a year uh, and check on, you know, different product assortments, things that are coming up. But we also have things that are outside of the Ace yeah. line uh, that we utilize as well. But yeah, and we, I, I belong to a, um, this kind of a local uh, group of ACE mm -hmm. uh, owners um, that I go to uh, yeah. uh, typically on a monthly or bi-monthly basis. Yeah. And we share different stories of what's working, what's not working, what people yeah. have tried, and different systems and different product lines. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so it, it's, it's always a learning experience. You oh, know, for it, sure. It's, uh, I, I, when I go into another store, I have a tendency to listen a lot more than I talk. Yeah. Uh, because I want to see, you know, what type of service people are getting, what types of things people are asking for, mm -hmm. um, you know, that kind of thing. And that uh, it's, you know, Maine's a pretty small town. Yeah. It's a big state. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the, 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 the adage is it's a pretty small town. A yeah. lot of people know each other here. On the third day of the road trip, I spent time at Abishan Hardware's home office and even toured a few of the company's 100 plus locations. Before touring the stores though, I sat down with Abishan Hardware Vice President Josiah Gates. I know the company is really uh, always, or at least in the past several years, been very tech focused. Could you talk a little bit about some of the things with, with technology and um, even your website, isn't it? like? You could tell a little bit about the backstory of the website because yeah. I think that's kind of unique too. Yeah. So, and I wish Will was here on the technology side because yeah. uh, Will just an overview. Yeah. yeah. We don't Will Will really drives the technology yeah. uh, portion of the company, and uh, <clears throat> and it's all based around customer convenience. Yeah. Um, so we have a our website is hardwarestore.com. I love that, which is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and. <clears throat> the omni-channel shopping experience is really uh, an area that we focused our attention over the last three years in building yeah. that. And if you go on to hardwarestore.com today and you uh, pick a store, mm -hmm. you can see real-time inventory, Yeah, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And then you can buy online and pick it up in store. That's awesome. Um, the next step that we're working on and getting ready to launch is buy online, ship to store. And then uh, the third phase, and we're always thinking about store of the future, yeah. is uh, buy online and deliver to home. Yeah. So uh, it's a three-step uh, evolution. Yeah. But our website, um, as print kind of fades away a little bit, we're yeah. really focused on our loyalty customers, which 75% of our transactions are based on our loyalty wow, customers. Wow, that's huge. So... Um, and the website is primarily geared towards our loyalty customers. Yeah. Um, we're also always, with increased wages, mm -hmm. uh, we're always looking at technology to help our stores be more efficient. Yeah. Um, and we have developed uh, our IT department uh, working with 
Tyndale and others, yeah. uh, an app called the TCB app. Okay. And the TCB app is, we call it taking care of business. Oh, that's funny. Just like Dan's podcast. Yeah, so, He's got some competition now. So, <laughs> so our uh, TCB app, um, and I actually, I even have it on my phone, but you can be in a yeah. store you, and uh, we'll be visiting a store later. Awesome. I'll show you how. So the, is it already up and running? Yeah, we use it. Uh, the stores have access to it. That's so cool. And you can scan an item. It tells you sales history. It tells you where it's sequenced in the store. Yeah. It tells you everything that you need to know wow. about that. And we're building out the TCB app to do more. Like, okay. Uh, to, if you want to add an item, if you want to many things that you'll be able to do with yeah. the TCB app. So yeah. uh, we want to make it so easy for an employee to work in our store. Yeah. Like, okay, here's your app. Yeah. And here's the uh, POS system. Yeah. This, these are the two things that you need. To do your job. To do your job. Yeah. And that is the end goal. Make sure to listen to episode six of Tell Me More for this full interview with Josiah Gates. Later that afternoon, I made my way to Backstage Hardware in Boston. While there, I met Jim Robichaud, owner of the hardware store that also doubles as a theater supply business. So explain to our listeners a little kind of where you guys are located in the city and and what's so unique about this building, because it's pretty cool. We're located in the seaport district of Boston, right down on the waterfront, right where the cruise ship terminal is, and there's a dry dock across the street from us. We're in the the largest building in Boston that most Bostonians don't know is the largest building in Boston. That's crazy. It was built by the military right after World War One, and it's gone through a real renaissance. Now it's the hottest place in Boston to have your office. Yeah. We noticed when we were walking in, there's a bunch of different, like, I don't know if they're food truck type setups. They look like smaller little areas. Like we saw the Boston Lobster Company. Yeah, there's six of them. They're out of built out of shipping containers. Four of them are food. Uh, one's a barbershop. Mm-hmm. And one changes seasonally with yeah. stuff for sale. Going on. Yeah. yeah, cool. So um, the I had reached out to you originally over a year ago for a story in Hardware Retailing Magazine. Um, but in case someone hadn't read it, do you want to explain a little bit about what because your store is a little unique from a from an average hardware store in that you have a, a different demographic you're also attracting. So Yeah, as far as a hardware store, if you walk in, we look like a neighborhood hardware store. Mm-hmm. We're more likely to deal with contractors and professionals than we are that with homeowners, mm-hmm. just because we're in such an industrial area of Boston. Yeah. And we also have a niche in the theater world, which drives a large percentage of our business. Yeah. And people don't realize that Theaters are driven by colleges. That makes and sense. Boston being the hub of the college world yeah. has a lot of theater going on. Uh, as an example, Harvard has seven different stages on campus. That's amazing. So we have seven different accounts for Harvard. Wow. With all the theater. One day earlier this summer, we delivered to five of the seven in one day. Wow. The big thing about the theater business is the vast majority of the large customers don't ever come in here unless yeah. it's an emergency. They just call us up on the phone and say, hey, Jim, ship me this, this, and this, and we yeah. either we take it ourselves or I have a courier company that will run it out to them. Yeah, and you also have worked on or have helped supply products for several movies and things filmed here. Do you want to 
share a little bit about some of the projects you've Yeah, in Boston, Massachusetts is big on movies because of the tax breaks they give them. And almost every movie that sets up in Boston does some business with us. It can be anywhere from a few hundred dollars up to a couple summers ago, one of the Ghostbusters movies spent $50,000 here. Wow. But it's, it's specialty items and it's, it's a lot of it we don't stock, mm -hmm. but we have to be able to get it quickly and in large quantities, mm -hmm. like thousands of feet of chain or thousands of feet of rope. Or, mm -hmm. And over the years, I've built the reputation that we can find stuff that others can't. Yeah. And so they come here first if they don't have something and at least ask us if we have it. And it's even worked out that some other people who work on movies, obviously it's not your life career to work on one movie. These set people and you know, set designers and riggers move from job to job. Yeah. So I mean last last winter I had somebody call me from Philly. He was in Philly. He worked on the job a movie, a Netflix series yeah. in Boston. He's now working on a Netflix series in Philly, Mindhunter. Oh, yeah. And he called me up and said, Jim, I know you know the business and you know what, what I want. Can you deliver to Philly? Yeah. Sure. On UPS anywhere. Yeah. So we supplied a lot of the stuff for that series only because they couldn't find anybody else who would really work with them in Philly. So, uh, do you think that people in Boston and in New England in general are more apt to, you know, shop locally and support independent businesses like yeah. Backstage Hardware? Yes. I mean, there's definitely a trend in Boston to shop local. It's actually, there's a couple of websites for it, and I think people like doing it. And I get a lot of comments of people not liking the big box stores. They'd rather yeah. come and see that. You know, they're often surprised that the owner's on site almost every other mm -hmm. every day. Yeah. You know, not every day, but I'm here a lot. Yeah. And yeah. that's, I mean, a lot of people like to see that. If something yeah. isn't quite right, they know they can talk to me. Yeah, exactly. In the morning on the fourth day of the road trip, I went to East Coast Lumber in East Hampstead, New Hampshire. While there, I sat down to talk with manager Thomas Hampton and sales manager Eric Murphy. To someone who's listening who doesn't know much about East Coast Lumber, can you kind of paint a picture of um, like when they come up, like how the building and everything is situated, about how big it is, how many employees you guys have, and maybe your your key departments or areas? You got a hundred and probably right now about 115 employees. Okay. Um, we've been at that level for quite a while now. I'd say the last five or six yeah. years, we've probably been up and down, bouncing up and down with the trying to keep employees and, yeah. and hire new employees, which hasn't been easy. Um, yeah. I don't know. Our market is we're strong twenty mile radius. Okay. Um, that's what we do. Um, we definitely feed our our uh, sister company, <laughs> not brother company. Yeah. And um, they're, they're a large chunk of our business. Right across is the other building right next door? No, they're in another town. Oh, okay. Um, and they build developments. They've been there forever. They've built a lot of developments yeah. all over. They're all local developments. And okay. All, it's not long distance. Um, but we've probably got maybe six or seven other pretty large contractors that are doing developments and stuff like that that we're tied to. Yeah. Um, and so we're feeding all that, and then we feed into the remodel market, and remodel market's probably our forte. Yeah. Uh, we do. Yeah. We probably do more special orders than, 
and any other business around. Yeah. We, that's what we do. That's our systems are set up very well for it. And, um, and we process a lot, a lot of special orders. And yeah. It takes a lot of knowledge and ability to get through a beginning and all the way through the process to get the special order out. Yeah. Um, when it comes to dealing with builders and like mm-hmm. professional builders, I speaking just kind of third person or third yeah. man, because I don't, I don't know, but everybody that I've talked to basically, once you get out of New England, you start to deal with a lot of larger builders. Track and what I mean, the, the, uh, what we would refer to as track builders, they're building developments that are 1,000, 15 homes, yeah. 1,500 homes. Um, very standard. Very standard. You know, like cookie possible, cutter, cookie it all looks cutter. the same. I can't even tell you the names of them right now, but yeah. there, are, there are builders once you get out of New England, that are larger than the entire market of New England. Wow, um, yeah. In New England, the properties aren't big enough for some to attract yeah. that type of builder, thankfully, because we yeah. don't really want them. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Don't probably want to put that in. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, there's too much rock. Yeah. There's, not enough, there's just not enough land for somebody yeah. to set up and put a 1,000 homes in some yeah. place. So it doesn't attract that big track builders. Yeah. Um, it's so... It's you're dealing with you know if the largest builders in this area probably build a hundred homes a year. Yeah. If they were pushing it. Yeah. You know you just you just can't build like that. And yeah. Especially, I mean, a large development here would be two or three hundred homes. Yeah. And that would last for five years. You know, it's yeah. just not you aren't going to come in and blow out four hundred acres worth of homes. You got yeah. a lot of independent <clears throat> builders that are doing single family homes. Yeah. It's not track building. New Hampshire yeah. you don't need to have a license to build. Really? Yeah. So which is funny. We talk about that all the time. In New Hampshire you have to have a license to, to cut hair or yeah. do nails. Oh. You need a license to put the electrical in your house in okay. any house. And yeah. sure you can do it all if you're a homeowner. Yeah. I can do anything I want to my house. But if you want to come into my house and do electrical work or yeah. plumbing you have to have a license, but you don't have to like have a license to build the house. That's interesting. <laughs> Unless hmm. it's over three stories. I guess one of the last couple questions I had, uh, why do you think it's like important for people to shop local and support local businesses like East Coast Lumber? And what do you say to someone who's like, I'd rather just go to Lowe's because I can buy it cheap or I can, you know, which I don't yeah, know if that's always true, personal. but. Well, I would first say that's a multi-part question I mean so yeah. first there's a perception that it's cheap yeah um, and that is not necessarily the truth and that's probably, yeah. the, probably the biggest hurdle um, but the belief there's there's a lot of money that goes into trying to build that yeah philosophy or the idea that it's cheaper and it really isn't they just are very good strategically at pricing very sensitive items that you might be familiar yeah. with um, and then they make up for that on the items that you're not familiar with. So at the end of the day, the, the top number or the bottom number mm-hmm. on the ticket is not going to be less money because you went to a big box store. Yeah. Um, and you're not likely to have the same quality of products. Yeah. You're not likely to get the services that you're, that, that you're looking for. Yeah. It's difficult. And that's not a knock on them. It's just their business model. Yeah. If you have, if you have a good, strong employee, they're immediately... They're, they're they're brought they're sent up into management and then they go and then they leave you yeah know, never find that if you you know if you walk into a store like us and you and you go into the plumbing department and you find a guy who's very familiar with plumbing and he helps you if you come back a year later the the, 
that's very good in any store like ours. Yeah. A very good chance that that same guy is going to be there. He'll probably Absolutely. remember you, and he'll probably yeah. remember your project, and he'll be able to help you do that next thing. When you go into a bigger store that doesn't have that local feel, yeah. if you run into somebody who really knows what they're doing and they're very good with customers, yeah. when you go back, that guy's become a manager, and you'll never find him again. Our competition yeah. isn't the Home Depot Lowe's. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's... It's your other, your other, other building outfits. Because... You, yeah. Home Depot Lowe's people, the people that go there, I'm glad they go there because yeah. they'll drive you nuts. Yeah. The people come in here because they get the same person to talk to. They're all about their relationship and they're all yeah. about working with somebody that knows what they're talking about. The more knowledge we have here, which is tremendous right now, mm-hmm. that, that's what it's all about. Yeah. The customers are here for and that's yeah. why they'll come in here and they'll stay loyalty and stay with you. you At know? the same time, yeah. we have a lot to, we, have, we, we do actually sort of owe the Home Depots and Lowe's and even the HQs of the world. Yeah. A little bit of gratitude in that they help build, send they help build the industry, the do-it-yourself industry. They sent the yeah. message that you can oh, do it yourself. Yeah. They do a ton of marketing. They they make it's kinda of like the H T V mentality. Yeah. They make people feel like they can do things. Yeah. They they people walk through the store and they get a, a lot of ideas. Yeah. But when it comes time to do it, they they fall short yeah. and that tends to drive people to us. Yeah. In the early afternoon, I made my way to Edmonds Ace Hardware in Antrim, New Hampshire. I had the opportunity to meet store owners Rick Edmonds Sr. and Lorraine Edmonds, as well as their son Rick Edmonds, who manages the Antrim store. Do you guys have any fun stories from the store? Maybe describe the store to our listeners. I think it's so cool with the with just the building in general it was it's been around since the 1800s yeah mm. yeah. yeah we had a, a sale mm. oh yeah it burned the, the third story off the building mm. so then they had to you had to rebuild it up the yeah. third story yeah, yeah. you can't tell yeah. i can't but there's no third it's story gone. anymore there's oh wait just it's only two stories oh yeah. so we have two apartments so there was there another now. oh wow another whole another story. so how did you do like how did you keep the store open and stuff while all that was well we never closed the day that's yeah. amazing we only closed for memorial day day yeah and that's the day the crane came oh, and rick's uh, and <laughs> Woo! See you, Rick. I'll get that on on cam or on on record. Perfect. <laughs> He's our solar guy. He's I does, love it. He does solar solar panels. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, Wait, you sell house. solar panels? No, at at their camp. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. I have a solar house. Really? Yeah, camp. Wow! Yeah. Wow! It's totally off grid. It's off yeah. grid. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So, what do you think makes Antrim and just New Hampshire? So unique and within the within the mashup that is New England. Well, I mean, I think you know the hardware industry is very seasonal, anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, most retail is, but I think with the weather in yeah. New England, the you know you, it magnifies that. You know, because we've got the you know we're selling air conditioners, but you know we could floods and we're selling sump pumps and then roof rakes in the winter. You know, I mean, so yeah. it's. It's so weather-related, I think, more extreme than other parts of the yeah. country. Yeah, thing emergency. Emergency. Uh, yeah. Supplies. We had that bad ice storm back. 2008. Yeah, 2008. Uh-huh. And the power's out completely. The town. Wow. Yeah, and the town's around. Yeah. 
and we did ten thousand dollars worth of business in the dark. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yep. Flashlights and that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So we never close. Like even powers out and like in the fire. And people know that they like, can come to you guys when they need. Yes. Right. Yeah. And you know, and we've had, you know, even the last couple of years, like be a snowstorm. People are like, are you gonna close early? Like close early why would we close early like yeah. this is we're here to help people out yeah. and it's like you know close early yeah this, you know we're part of the emergency management plan you exactly know? <laughs> That's definitely come. when we had the fire we couldn't let people in the building only we did um uh, inventory yeah we had probably 40 people come to help us do inventory we did it in what a day and a half Wow. Inventoried this whole place. That's amazing. But they yep. came in. He got yeah. a clipboard and he ribboned off sections. And That's that amazing. many people came. And I made sandwiches and yeah. uh, for lunchtime. Yeah. And, uh, it just sounds like. People wiping down paint like, cans with WD-40, you know. And it just sounds like, and kind of the things I've noticed just for my trip so far is everyone, you know, everyone has each other's back. And if you need help or if you need right. something, they'll be there for you. Right. Mm -hmm. um, which that's. I think that's really special and, and really cool. My fourth day of the road trip covered a lot of miles and included the most retailers. My last stop of the day was at Harry's Hardware in the Den in Cabot, Vermont. I was welcomed into the store with live music being played and Vermont beers flowing from the tap. While there, I sat down to talk with co-owners Joanna Theobald and Bobby Searles. A little bit about, about our business is we are a hardware store that has probably been a hardware store for 150 years. Yeah. This building was. It's always this been a building. Store. There's a picture in there from the from the historical society where the flag in the middle of town is McKinley. Yeah. And Roosevelt for president. McKinley won in 1898, Jeez. and the building looked old in that picture. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So. So you can just guess how old this building might be. Yes, probably mid 1800s, early as 1830, late as 1860 is my guess. Yeah. So tell. Tell our am, listeners, those that haven't read the article that I wrote, which they should have, but explain to them how you kind of got into the industry and then how you guys all came together and, and formed this unique okay, business. Okay, I'll start. I'm probably only the seventh or eighth owner of this hardware store. Okay. Um, I bought it when it went out of business in 2012 with the sole purpose of getting it going and selling it to somebody who wanted to continue it because I own the grocery store next door and had no desire of owning two businesses side by side in this small little town. Yeah. Five years into a two-year plan, mm -hmm. Joanna and Rory moved to town, and they wanted to be a, a bigger part of the community. And they were coming and, to you guys because weren't they repairing? You guys were repairing your home, Taking right? away Joanna. Yes. Uh, we bought an old farmhouse. It's about two hundred plus years old. Wow. And, and only two hundred plus feet away from right. the hardware store. <laughs> Literally, two three minute walk. She's from Spain. Just across the river. Um, so I spent a lot of time in here. I got to know Bobby really well. So yeah. Um, we just got out of the military. We're really excited to like put our feet down in the community yeah. and get involved. And started talking to. Started talking to. There you go. Oh, I didn't know it was that. <laughs> that was the secret Navy SEAL sign. So I started sign talking louder. to Bobby and. He loved like me. And said, well, we can't really. We aren't in a place in our lives to take over everything. Well, that's because I but, tried to sell this business to every person that walked in the door. And Joanna's yeah. ears. Joanna was the only one whose ears perked up. Yeah. 
So then, so I said, well, can we come to the table? Cause I have some ideas. Cause I think we really need a hardware store, but it's clear the hardware store can't put on its own. So why don't yeah. we talk about putting a bar in it? So we sat down and So how said, did you have to come, like, did you have to do anything as far as getting like liquor license and stuff like that? So, so there was there was like a three phase pro- process to get a liquor license. The town had to first accept what we were doing, which they loved and they did. It was probably the only thing I've ever done in this town that they were like, "Yes, yeah. we're behind you. <laughs> we love you." Uh, you know, uh, the other part of it was um, was the uh, uh, four parts: town, then there was wastewater, liquor control, and health inspection. Yeah. So we had to try and tell them what we were doing that no one has ever done before. Yeah. We're a, we want to put a bar with taps in the middle of the hardware store, yeah. use the diner we already had in the back as our health inspection because we have to serve food. Ah. Uh. And the most expensive part of the process was upgrading the file on our, our uh, wastewater permit. We literally had to pay $500 for an engineer to come in and tell us that we were going to expend one extra gallon per day into the wastewater system that was already in the town service. Don't even get me started on... Um, so but considering what other people have to go through, it really it was easy. That bad. Yeah. When we talk to people from Massachusetts or whatever, they're like, yeah, it's 120 grand and it's like a 10 year waiting wow. list. For us, like, yeah, it was three months. So other it was hardware stores and other, other hardware stores might have a harder time trying to get this to it's totally happen. state by state. And then, yeah. the, then the, uh, the guy from Department of Labor Control comes in. He says, "Okay, we're going to grant you your permit." And he goes, "I can honestly say this is the first first class liquor license I have ever issued to a hardware store in Vermont." Said, That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> do you do liquor? Or did you keep liquor? No liquor. Liquor is a totally different license. It's not what we wanted. Yeah, I have that, a hard enough time might... coming down here drinking beer all night without yeah. adding the gin and tonics yeah, to the mix. Yeah, that's, that's so what I think. Really what we did, we in, in our how many meetings, we had, long meetings we had yeah. before we decided Never considered liquor. It was never a consideration. Yeah. It was always, we wanted to create a pub, a gathering place. We were yeah. beer drinkers. Yeah. Every meeting we had, it was like, look at this cool beer. I mean, yeah. a lot of the reason it came to where we are is that every time we'd sit down at the table, Joanna's husband was like look at the beer i just found at this store yeah. let's have one of those hey i got one of these let's have one of those and, and eventually it was like what if we had awesome cool beers all the time yeah and, and then when did the music kind of come into the picture ne- nearly immediately yeah literally immediately. i mean it was, it was like, like we probably want... the only thing we didn't right see and then because they came open, to you you didn't announce it it was just we had a like, guy that the, the, um, the feed the feedbacks make awesome acoustics yeah, yeah right? that's so interesting so, so the feed on the side is what is right next to where it's they play what's lit up when the yeah. guy is playing yeah literally uh, it's, it's like, like those part, of the, <laughs> those part of the light show yeah i love that so one of uh one of our customers actually jeff wasn't even really a customer he was just the guy from plainfield came in and he says we really love what you're doing i have a whole yeah. bunch of bands what do you think about doing like a sing-along night and we started doing that on Thursdays. It wasn't a Friday. giant Fridays, Fridays. It wasn't a giant success, but yeah. it was like we could really do something cool. Yeah. If we had different musicians that wanted to play, and, yeah. Um, and it one gives day, people a reason to to get out and kind of socialize and totally. hang out with their neighbors. So nearly immediately, I, I guess we'd have to look back to see, but I would have to say that it was like 
Maybe we went through one week, and then the following Friday and Saturday we had yeah. We had I mean, music. We started going. off where I just searched through the area and said, "Hey, Bobby, what about this band? Do you like this band? Do you like this band?" And yeah. Then, and then we all of a sudden we started having people call me. Like, yeah. I, I don't ever have to look for bands. It's a, yeah. It's a, it's a really great, awesome, yeah, intimate venue. For sure. So it's like it's it really is like out of a TV show or something. It's kind of fun. I love it. I kicked off the last day of the road trip at Woodstock Ace Home and Hardware in Woodstock, Vermont. The operation is one of seven Bibbins Ace locations throughout Vermont. While there, I had the chance to sit down and talk with Matt Seiko, vice president of the company, and Greg Bibbins, marketing and training coordinator. Tell me a little bit about Bivens Ace um, and kind of the history behind it, if you wouldn't mind sharing. Like, did it start with just one location and kind of how it got to where it's at today? Yep. Started in 1949 with Greg's grandfather. Wow. Uh, one location in Springfield, Vermont. He was a builder, uh, decided to open the hardware store because it fit him. And yeah. then eventually it made more sense to operate the hardware store instead of the building. And then... Rick took it over in uh, the early 80s, kept it as one store until 2000, and then decided to start opening more, and we've uh, kept expanding ever since, really. So when did you add, so today, for anyone listening, we we are at Woodstock Ace Home and Hardware. Did I say that correct? You did. Okay, (laughs) yes, I'm I'm on it. Nailed it. Um, So you have two, was that in Brattleboro? Brattleboro. 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 Were those the the most recent acquisitions or did you have you had others or like done ground up builds that type of thing we have done some ground up builds up north but those were the the two late these are the two latest yeah yeah brattleboro was end of 2013 okay woodstock was early 2018 okay um the four burlington market ones opened up one after the other essex was the only ground up build um south burlington was not a an operating hardware store. So okay. that was a new hardware store in, a, in an existing space. Okay. So Essex was the only ground up build other than yeah. Springfield initially. Yeah. And then even conversions, you know, from one brand to another. Yeah. Um, which is always has its own complications. Yeah. And, but uh, even yeah. Ace to Ace is like, it depends because yeah. Brattleboro bought almost 50% of their goods from different vendors then really Ace. so when we took that over it wasn't a conversion it wasn't a, but it was yeah. it was a lot of work and i was i had just started like three months before that yeah so it was a great learning experience for me yeah and i um still think about that yeah opportunity to this day so. yeah so you are in charge of kind of marketing what are some of the things that you've been doing and and having different stores do you have to do different things as far as how you market the the brands and um, is like social media part of that oh, that yeah. beast for you? Cause yeah, it's tricky because we it's do the beast for me too. And we do have we have three brands going right now. Yeah. So we have the Ace Home, uh, Woodstock Ace Home and Hardware, Brown and Roberts Ace of Brattleboro, and then Bibbins Ace. So yeah, it's marketing that we have three Facebook pages. Yeah, we have one website that's trying to market that all. So it's it's keeping Instagram up on us. Instagram now. So. I know I'm learning. At least slowly, Twitter is kind of fading. I mean, it is. I'm slowly. Well, we use this program called Sochi where you can link them all, which is great. Okay. Yeah. And then you can time them all and schedule yeah. them. Um, but you have to sit down and but you schedule have to them same and think through the. But you still have yeah. to think through the you captions. Still have to think, through and... It, think through the captions and kind of. It's amazing, you know. It's, I'm kind of going through school for the third time. I'm kind of teaching myself yeah. as I go and realizing, okay, you know, you learn as you go. And I'm like, this works. This doesn't. You know, what what works on social yeah. media, what doesn't. Yeah. Um, and you know. 
tracking the results and yeah so we're doing tons of social media pushes um and more events yeah you know, we really want to boost our events from you know ace has the national four events yeah uh, each year but we really pushed other ones to yeah. try to tie in we want to tie in more kids more community more family yeah um you know ace's foundation has always been very community driven which has always been my dad's kind yeah. of foundation of growing up yeah i was always been very connected to the community so bringing that you know, as we've expanded, it's been kind of hard. You know, having the yeah. one store in Springfield, we were connected to everything in Springfield. Yeah. And then as we expanded, it became hard to always be that focus. So now it's bringing that all back. So yeah. now we're doing, you know, workshops for kids and, you know, painting ornaments during Christmas yeah. time. We're doing pumpkin painting coming up in October for the kids at all the stores. Yeah. Um, and we've added ladies' nights, which has been huge for yeah. us. Um, yeah. We, we didn't know. We always went to shows hearing, like, how successful they were. And we're like, oh, I don't know. And, you know, we said, all right, if we could just get, like, 30 people to our first one, we'll be happy. And we had about 100 people to the wow. 75 people to the first one. The second one, we had 150. That's amazing. We mixed about 120 gallons of paint in two hours. Wow. It was crazy. And so really good feedback and great turnout. And it really showed that the community enjoys being involved. And, you know, yeah. everyone said, well, why ladies' night? And who's going to come out for it? And it really works. We have food. Yeah. We have wine. We have uh, – it, it's really a lot of fun raffles and – yeah sales and it's become a fun fun event that people look forward to yeah so kind of really focusing it that way and marketing us i think bringing us back to um i think it's simon Sinek that always said that yeah. who, what where the mm -hmm. who and why or whatever it is and bringing us back to the the why we're doing it yeah um so it's not we're not the one thing that i think we've changed our focus for as our marketing is not as much product driven yeah is kind of emotion driven yeah um so, you know, if it's hot weather, we post something, some funny cartoon yeah. about the weather rather than, and link it to something rather than just be like, oh, we have ACs for 20% off. My last visit of the day and the entire week-long trip was at Norfolk Hardware and Home Center in Boston. The company is now celebrating 85 years in operation, and I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with the president of the Norfolk Company, Stuart Rosen, as well as Norfolk Hardware and Home Center store manager, Kevin Peebles, and Vicki Madeira, human resources director for the company. The city of Boston, the surrounding neighborhoods, yeah. the overall temperature is really what has made us and is what and is what made our growth what it has become. Yeah. Now, with that said, there's negatives. Yeah. Because I know one of the questions you're going to ask is <laughs> how how the you know what's happening in the industry that mm -hmm. is affecting us in a negative way. Yeah. And the answer to that question is the internet. Yeah. The internet is um, for anybody in industry in our in this in our yeah. industry or in any any industry. The internet is having a major negative effect on yeah. brick and mortar. Yeah. Regardless of what industry, what store, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. If you can buy it on the internet and get it shipped to your house in some means or in yeah. some way, yeah. it is, has become and will continue to be a major league negative. Yeah. So it's finding ways to... I don't know. Sometimes I talk to people and they say you need to be able to compete with Amazon and sometimes they're like you need to keep doing what makes your store work and not try and give free deliveries and all that things because that's when you're, you know, chasing something that might not work for your business. So well, the, the answer is, is, is it's, is it's those, those answers and it's everything and everything in between. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Every business has to figure out 
what their strengths and weaknesses are yeah. as it is as it is a function of <clears throat> what customers can buy on the internet. Yeah. I mean, if our paint customers can buy a pretty brush yeah. on the internet and there's and we need to be able to offer yeah. those pretty brushes competitively to what they're offering yeah. on the internet. Yeah. And we also and we also would take a defensive position of having an alternative brush mm -hmm. that's not offered on the internet yeah. and as an as yeah. an offer to uh, to our, uh, our customers. Do you think, have any of those? But to build on that, I think the issue, how to compete with that also is that, yeah, the brush is the brush, but if I don't know how to use the brush or the hammer or the drill, I need to go into a store <laughs> yeah. that hopefully there's someone who has knowledge yeah. who can teach me yeah. or explain but, to me what brush I need. But the challenge is, is the people that are shopping are the people that are familiar with the, yeah. I mean, better yet, to build on that. Mm. The people that are shopping are some people that, that mm -hmm. you need, that's what you need to point out when they come in your store. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then the others that are professionals that yeah. are just looking to save money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, they're just, they're yeah. just shopping the internet. You've got to deal yeah. with them yeah. as well. I just think it's like anything in life, you have to balance. Yeah. You have to balance everything. You're going to you know, we've gone through the time where wallpaper, before there was an internet, there was an internet with yeah. wallpaper, yeah. and you could order it online and get shipped, and, you know, you had all these books you're buying, yeah. because, and everything else, so, yeah, it, it's a balance, and knowing yeah. that when the customer comes in, you know, not just going, yes, we have it, but it's cheaper online, but selling them and having people that know how to sell them yeah. on the spot, yeah. and that's what's missing, and that's one of the programs we're working on, is teaching our own people how to sell. And, yeah. um, you know, I have a few people that watch how I do things because when you've been doing it long enough, you just have your own, you know, technique natural flow and technique that yeah. works. And, you yeah. know, little yeah. words sometimes it's, you know, not always a phrase of, you know, I should say it's what you say and also how you say it at the same time. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, you know, making them give you a direct answer rather than a yes or no answer. And that's something Stu has, you know, pounded into me for years and reminded me of also. Yeah. So um, one of my last questions is just um, how do you think New Englanders do business and what do you think makes business in this part of the country? Um, you know, there's a lot of longstanding businesses here. Why do you think that might be a test to the part of the country or what are your thoughts on just being in retail out in this area? New Englanders have more anchors in the ground. Yeah. It's it's it's. Because roots, yeah. I mean, you know, everything started here. Yeah. You know, first pilgrims. Yeah. Were yeah. Here, so we have more. We have more anchors in the ground. We have New Englanders have a tendency not to go and pick up roots and go live somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. Um, because of all sorts of you know all sorts of family lineage reasons. Yeah. You know, yeah. Mostly family. Um, plus, it's really nice here. Yeah, it's yeah, it is. We really have four seasons. I mean, it really. And there's so many things so close that you can. I mean, <laughs> I've driven over 1,300 miles this week, but when you think about it, I've been to six different states and kind of up and down and been able to get to all these places. And like, you could do the same amount of time I spent in the car in Illinois if I went from the top of the state down to the bottom. I could go through three or four here, which is kind of crazy. So yeah, New England is just it's a. There's especially where we are is close to the water. Yeah. You know we you know we've got the mountains. You know for the skiers yeah. in the winter we've got the ocean for the yeah. sailors in the summer. 
Um, you know, we've got all sorts of open land. Yeah. Um, yet we have things that within our fingertips, like art, theater, museums, theater, restaurants, and talk about our sports. Yeah. I mean, New England has more championship yes. sports teams than any other any other part of the entire country forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so I mean, it's, it's almost like, why, yeah. why would you want to live anywhere else? Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Tell Me More. For photos and videos from the road trip, make sure to read the November 2019 issue of Hardware Retailing Magazine. Did you know that if you're an independent home improvement retailer, you are already a member of the North American Retail Hardware Association? The NRHA has been in existence since 1900 and serves its members in a variety of ways. From Hardware Retailing Magazine and our two podcast series to exclusive research and events, the association is here to help you become a better, more profitable business owner. To learn about what NRHA is doing for you, visit nrha.org.